We've been talking about life on mission. I'm wondering if, do we have a stool, a tall stool that someone can sit on? That one would be perfect. Thank you. No, I'm not going to throw it at you. <laughs> I'm going to sit on it. Every so often my back says, that's enough, and I've got to sit down. We've been talking about life on mission, and last week I hope we understood that Christ has called each of his children to live a life on mission. And that your mission is to represent the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. You represent the kingdom of God in a world where the kingdom of God is not reigning. We see horrible things. We see evil things going on. Things like the attack on the mosque in New Zealand. These are representative of the kingdom of this world, not the kingdom of heaven. These people serve not the living God, but themselves. And it is evil. Make no mistake. Our task is to represent God's kingdom as he has brought it as we see it reflected in, in God's Son, Jesus Christ, as he walked in our midst, as we came to understand him. And this week, I want to talk to you about the second aspect of that life on mission. The first thing that we talked about was, what if you only had one thing to do, and, and how on task would you be uh, if I gave you the task of stacking shelves at Walmart? And I said, I'd love you to make a great display of all of our chainsaws and have you put them up on the shelves, and there you go, you've got them all nicely stacked. And I come and I inspect your work, and I say, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> well, I was going to get to it. You know, that was on my list. Well, let's do the back to school display. <laughs> Something scary about that, isn't there? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> and I know it's very popular to get a tattoo these days, and when you get a tattoo, you want it to be right, and you'd love when you go in and get have a tattoo, you want it to be a tattoo with no regrets, right? So it would look something like, perhaps something like this. to carry this tattoo for the rest of your life. Absolutely no regrets, right? <laughs> if you've got one thing to do, you really want to get it right. And that's what this life on mission is, is about. It's about asking ourselves, what is my mission? And am I on mission? As we proceed in this mission, we, we looked at our first not forgetting verse, the first verse that together we want to digest. Let's read it together, shall we? 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be in Jerusalem and in all and and that's your mission that's your life mission that's my life mission and that is what Christ has commissioned us to do so he sends us out into the world and hopefully there are no regrets we want to get it right don't we Today we're talking about connecting. And I'll be honest with you, this is an area that in our day we haven't done well. <laughs> connecting with the people around us. If you are going to be a witness in this world, you've got to be able to witness to someone. Someone has to be able to see or hear your witness. Your witness has to be effective. And I'll be honest with you, as I've walked in this community called Christian community, I've seen some things that really have upset me over the years. As a young believer, you're exposed to various forms of Christianity and I've had quite a wide range of exposure to the Christian community different families. We call them denominations, but really they're different families of believers because each denomination tends to emphasize something a little bit different in the kingdom. But in each of these families of belief, I've noticed that there is a tendency for us to try and draw into ourselves and form little holy clubs. We form cliques and we exclude others, even to the point of not wanting to connect with anyone who doesn't know Christ. How can you share your witness with a lost world if you don't know anyone who doesn't know Christ? and you push them away. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has called us to connect with people. And it's a difficult thing to do because we've become afraid of people. We're afraid and sometimes with good cause because often people push you away. You try to share something great and, and you find a lot of resistance, don't you? If you were out there selling, you might find on some doors a little sign that says, stay away. But we read concerning Jesus that he came into the world that he created. And even though he created this world, the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and his own people rejected him. And we say to ourselves, well, if they reject Jesus, how can I get accepted? If they would reject the Son of God, what chance do I stand? And we often will give up without even trying. 
to connect with our neighbors or the people around us or the people at work or the people where we shop. If you go to some houses, you might see a, a sign kind of like this. And uh, absolutely no soliciting or religious promotion whatsoever. Friends, family, and deliveries are always welcome. If that's not you, then respectfully, please don't knock. We, we kind of encounter these signs when we begin trying to talk to people. And sometimes it's not as respectful as this. Sometimes you, you try to share your faith or you try to live out your, your testimony before others and you get something that's a little less friendly. It's more like, leave now, beware, go away. And some people aren't even that friendly. Driving down through the States, I've noticed they have some other signs of welcome for people who come by. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit intimidating. <laughs> Is there a life after death? Find out. Jump the fence. <laughs> Trespassers will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. <laughs> or I can make it to the fence in 2.8 seconds. Can you? <laughs> Jesus came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So how can I connect with others? I think as we begin to look at the Son of God, as we look at Jesus, he knew something that we need to relearn. And it's a challenge to each of us because it's going to challenge us on a number of different levels. First of all, we've got to overcome our fear of other people and our fear of rejection. Jesus came into this world knowing that he would be rejected and he would be sent to the cross. He came into this world to die for us. But that didn't prevent him from coming. But I want you to understand this. On that little sign, there's a hint that helps us. It says, friends, family, and deliveries are always welcome. I think in most of your homes, and even in most of your neighbors' homes, there's always the exception, but in most homes, people like friends and family. They like deliveries, things that they, they've been hoping for. And those things are welcome. And when Jesus entered this world, the scriptures tell us that Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus entered as one of us. He didn't come in as a stranger. He didn't come in glowing with the power of heaven and with angel wings or, or the, the choruses of, of the angel armies, which would have terrified every one of us, but he came and he was born in a stable to parents who were questioned as to their morality because they thought that this child that Mary was carrying was illegitimate. 
Jesus was born as anyone in the world might have been born in any of the countries of our world today. And then he lived among us. And we could see him. And people could touch him and get to know him. Jesus became vulnerable. And that's the first clue for each of us if we want to connect with other people is our vulnerability. Taking the risk of being rejected. Taking the risk of being hurt. And that is a risk. Every time you introduce yourself to someone new, you take that risk. Jesus took that first step in not claiming all of his rights as the Son of God, but setting them aside and becoming one of us. The second thing that we see is reflected in an encounter that he had with a man by the name of Matthew. We see that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. I asked you a question at the very beginning of your devotions for Monday in Mark's Gospel. Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. And I asked the question, who do you see? Meaning to ask you, as you look around yourself, as you look into your community, as you look in your neighbors, as you look at your place of employment, who do you see that God would want to touch? That God says, they are ready for the kingdom of heaven. Now most people could walk by Matthew's tax collector booth and they would be very upset. They would hate him. They would want to spit on him. Because Matthew was supposed to be a good Jewish boy, but he grew up to be aligned with the Romans. And the Romans had come in and they had conquered this, the community and the, the, the district of Palestine. And they had set up their own government. And they were now collecting taxes from the Jewish people who lived there, from all of the people who lived there. But among the people who lived there were some who aligned themselves with the Roman government and even collected taxes on behalf of the Romans. And so they were as despised as tax collectors today are often despised. Not only that, but tax collectors made their living by collecting a little bit more than was required. So if Matthew was required to collect a $10 poll tax or head tax and he would take his little tax collector's booth and he could set it up wherever he wanted. He could go right at the ford of a river and anybody who was going to go by, or maybe I'll set up my tax collector's booth uh, at the back door. So that as you go out, you don't get to go out until you've paid a tax. Now, the government wants $10 a head, but uh, I've got to pay off the Roman guards who are standing here protecting me, so I'm going to have to make it 15 but then I'm not going to make any profit on that, so we're going to be collecting $20 each as you go out. And that's the way it would work. And so guys like Matthew... Not very popular. 
Jesus is walking along and it says he saw Matthew. As you and I walk through our, our daily life, who are some of the people that we see? Are we actually looking with eyes to see who might God want to touch today? On whom might the Spirit of God want to fall? Whose heart might be open to come and know Jesus? Jesus saw the man. And there's so many invisible people in our society today. People that we walk past, people that we ignore, people that we don't want to know. So first of all, Jesus became vulnerable. And then Jesus walked among us as one who saw people who had need. And the next thing we see is that Jesus loved those who were far from God. He loved those who were rejected by everyone else. And he said something absolutely bizarre. He spoke to this fellow Matthew and he said, come and follow me. Be my disciple. You wouldn't even talk to Matthew, let alone invite him to be a disciple. To be a disciple of a rabbi was an honorable position. What was this man thinking? But Jesus showed him great respect in inviting him to come and be his disciple. Because here's what that meant. That meant that this man, Matthew, was now going to live with Jesus. Disciples lived with their teachers. They would sleep in the same place. They would eat the same meals. They would walk along the paths together. They would be seen together on a regular basis and identified with each other. Jesus was going to be identifying with this man of questionable character. Jesus risked lowering his own character. But an interesting thing always happened when people were with Jesus. Jesus' character was not lowered in the sight of God, but the character of the individual was raised. So Matthew got up and followed him. He left the money. He walked away from his business, his income, and he followed Jesus. Anyone who wants to serve me, Jesus said, must follow me because my servant must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me and disciples would serve their teacher. So Matthew would be honored because he was with Jesus. Jesus lived with those who were seeking God. Those who were far from God. He spent time with them. Do we do that? Are we vulnerable? Do we see people that other people don't see? Are we willing to spend time with them and risk our own character to be with them? Or have we set up walls to keep people out of our lives so that we can keep our nice, safe, clean little lives, our nice, protected little Christian communities so that nothing else can come in and hurt us or harm us or offend us. Jesus befriended the lost. 
He said, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you a slave because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Jesus befriended the lost. He called them even friends. You know what? At one time, you were lost. One time, you were far from God. And somebody took a risk and shared with you the good news about Christ. And you became God's friend. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome? And that's the way it has always been, that God has chosen to use people to share with other people his good news. He befriended the lost. Later, get a load of this. Matthew invites Jesus and his disciples to his house as dinner guests, and guess who else came to dinner? It was a Matthew party. There were other tax collectors. There were other sinners present. Oh, no. Jesus is now having the opportunity to be with more people just like Matthew. And I think that's exactly why Jesus did it. Because he saw Matthew and he saw Matthew's friends and he knew that the love of God could enter anybody's heart. He entered through the gate of friends, families, and deliveries because he delivered God's unfailing love and mercy to Matthew and to his friends and to as many as came to know him. However, that doesn't mean that all of the signs have gone because we still have this warning, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again sign. And that was the sign hanging around the neck of the Pharisees, because when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Do you see any difference in the attitudes between Jesus and these religious people? I hate to ask the question, but which group do we identify more with? I have to ask that question because when my wife and I were younger, we lived in a little community in Quebec. And we owned a home there. And we sold our home. And we committed, apparently, the unpardonable sin of selling our home to a young couple who weren't Christians. Now, the reason that was an unpardonable sin was because this little community that we were in was trying to make it an all-Christian community. And when we dared to sell our house to someone who wasn't a believer but was a wonderful young couple and they had young children or babies and they needed a home just like anybody else, all of a sudden we became anathema. How dare you allow these unbelievers into our community? They will contaminate us. 
Have we completely forgotten that we are to be salt and light? Have we become Pharisees? How can I be like Jesus? When Jesus heard them saying this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. The Pharisees were supposed to be the doctors. The religious people were supposed to be the doctors. We are supposed to be the doctors. And then Jesus added this, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer your sacrifices. I want you to show mercy. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous or religious, but those who know they are sinners. Do you think Matthew knew he was a sinner? Do you think the Pharisees knew they were sinners? No. They were blind to that. <coughs> Folks, until we recognize that we are as much the sinner as Matthew and the woman at the well and the woman taken in adultery and all of the others who are pointed out in Scripture, until we recognize that we too are sinners and need a Savior and only Christ is that Savior, we will never be a witness. We'll only be religious. We'll only be Pharisees. God has called us to connect with the people of our world. And we connect best when we realize that we are friends and family of sinners because that's what we are. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. How can I be like Jesus? I can do this. I can do this. Can we say this together? Let's read it together. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And where is that found? All right. This portion of the congregation, you're going to get the first line. All right, you can practice it to yourself for a minute. Folks, right here in the middle, you're going to get the second line. And I'm going to ask you to read it out loud all together when I point to you. Got it? This group up here, not the back group, the red chairs. You're a special group. <laughs> you get the third line, and you get to read it out. And the sinner's bench. You get the fourth line. You're in the back. You get the fourth line. You ready? All right. Let's see if we can do our memory verse. Stand up and say it out loud for me, would you? Did you hear it? I desire mercy, 
That was good. Let's do that one again. All right, here we go. Where do we find it? That's our not forgetting verse for this week. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. The Father, the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.